0: Welcome back to another episode of Power the Network. I'm your host, Tim Locker, Vice President of Broadband for CBM. Today, our guest is Mr. John Kim. Uh, John is the Director of Utility and Industrial Battery Sales for Enersys Batteries. Uh, Enersys is the world's largest industrial battery manufacturer, and they employ over 10,000 people worldwide Uh, John's a super smart guy, and he's our go-to person when it comes to batteries. Any question we have, we always reach out to John. He's a degreed engineer from Drexel University, and he's been in the business since 1986 right out of college. So uh, we're super excited to talk to him today. We have a great discussion about the history of batteries and where they've come today and some of the new developing technologies. So uh, let's get right into it with Mr. John Kim. John, we appreciate you coming in today and being on the show with us. Thank you. Thanks Tim. for joining us. Appreciate it. Um, starting off, I want to keep it really simple. Okay. What is a battery? Um, I I've been told that you have an interesting story about a
1: toilet. Well, whenever I talk about batteries, people get overwhelmed and <laughs> uh, and they they say, you know, what's a battery? Oh my gosh, it's a real complicated device, and and it's a great icebreaker, uh, in my opinion, because uh, to describe a battery and you start getting into chemistry and electrochemical, mechanical, all that, it's way over oh, people's yeah, head. Yeah. So I always start out, and, and this is something that one of my industry colleague is the one who actually thought of this, and I'm, I'm borrowing his. I show a picture of a toilet, <laughs> and, uh, and then I say, well, think of the toilet as a battery And battery system. Uh, Basically, toilet itself has water tank and it has a water pipe that brings water in. And so water pipe basically that water source is your charger. So energy or the water comes into the toilet and it gets stored in the back of the toilet, and that's your battery basically. And until you're ready to use it. Until you're ready to use it. And what is it that you're using it for? The load. (laughs) <laughs> the, the load the load is a load right
0: there's the tie
1: <laughs> yeah and, uh, and so if you have to take care of that load you use the energy that's stored in that battery or in that tank to take care of the load so the whole thing works together the charging system the battery and knowing your load is very important gotcha according to the load <clears throat> you size the battery according to the size of the battery you size a charger, and they all work together. So there's nothing complicated about how battery works. Gotcha.
0: It makes it simple.
1: Yep. <laughs> I Break will. it down to the most common denominator that most people understand, which is yeah. the toilet.
0: I, <laughs> that will definitely change my habits from now on, so now I'll be hope. thinking of that differently. So, <laughs> um, so you know, batteries have been around a long, long time. Yep. Um, are you familiar with the story of the Baghdad battery at all?
1: Yeah, I've seen pictures of it. Um, basically, it people have many different opinions about what it was being used for. Um, some people say it's, it was for maybe electroplating and so on. So it, you had this jar, yeah. and and it's filled with copper and and, and different uh, minerals, and uh, and it was basically the first known. Uh, energy storage device, which is what a battery is. And uh, and some people have found like drawings and things like that in the old uh, Egyptian uh, pyramids and stuff, mm-hmm. which depicts these jars that people are carrying and has like lightning bolt coming out. And they think that was also uh, some type of a battery as do you, well.
0: Do you think they were maybe trying to store the energy from lightning?
1: Mm, probably not. The last guy who tried that, was success, successful. He lived, Ben Franklin, lived uh, trying to harness the, uh, you know, basically trying to prove that that's electricity. But I don't know if you want to capture the lightning in a bottle, per yeah. se. You got you to gotta take a cable up to the clock tower,
0: I think, um. if I remember the movie correctly. And <laughs> timing is inevitable. But, yep. <laughs> but I th- yeah, I think the first functional battery then was come about sometime in the early 1800s, yep. and then you know, lead acid that we still use today mm-hmm. back in, like, 1860 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about how, how batteries today have changed over the last 150, 100, mm-hmm. 200 okay. years. Um, but then also, you know, what's it's very basic and it's very similar, too. Right.
1: So the, the father of lead acid battery uh, is, uh, is Gaston Planté. And, uh, and he made his first rechargeable lead-acid battery back in 1849, 1859. Okay. Okay. So he made his first rechargeable battery in 1859. Basically, he put lead strips uh, with rubber uh, pad in between to separate the positive and the negative plate. Uh, and, uh, and he put it into sulfuric acid. He was able to discharge and recharge and repeat that. So Gaston Planté is like the first... Uh, the father of of lead acid batteries, so that initial ingredient of lead and sulfuric acid really hasn't changed since uh, since back then, and uh, so there have been advances with material, uh, meaning like the jar where sure. the sulfuric acid and and lead plates go into has changed. Um, earlier versions were like. Uh, lead line uh, type uh, um, material, or a glass jar, and uh, and slowly transitioned over to some plastic material, uh, and uh, some of them are um, rubber based uh, plastic, and uh, so these days the the plastic that's used are pretty much flame retardant or just regular plastic, depending on what the what the customer has, uh, spec uh, asks for, and uh, and and the whole idea is to make sure that none of that material inside, sulfuric acid, which is corrosive, uh, lead, which we don't want getting into the environment, sure. to stay within. Okay, so um, so the basic ingredient hasn't changed. There have been advances in plastics as well as the separator material, uh, but the initial ingredient of lead and sulfuric acid Still stay the same. The
0: same. Yep. Very consistent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, obviously this technology has been around a long time. How, how long have you been in the industry and, you know, where did you get your start and what, you know, what brought you to where you are today?
1: Well, 1859 is when I started with, <laughs> yeah. along with Gaston Ponte. Well, actually. You were um, an intern back then. <laughs> yes. Um, I aged well. Um, <laughs> so with, uh, uh, with the batteries, I got my start in 1986. Okay. Um, I was a co-op student. I was going to uh, school in, in engineering school in Philadelphia called Drexel University. A Little plug there, go Dragons. Um, <laughs> and so with with that, uh, I got my first co-op job with uh, with, the, with the battery company, and um, they asked me back for the second stint. And uh, following the second stint, they offered me a job. With that job, I I was testing material and plastic and, and so on in, in the lab. I was also uh, tearing batteries apart and building batteries by hand. And I loved doing that. I never thought I would be getting into batteries, uh, but that was kind of a segue into batteries. And so I spent half of my career since 1986 um, in batteries in engineering and uh, and slowly so building
0: and figuring out how they work. Yeah,
1: um, working in the lab and working as a project engineer for uh, manufacturing side of it, um, and then slowly I transitioned to the dark side of sales and marketing, <laughs> and uh, and so second half of my uh, battery career has been in um, technical marketing and and sales. So my job right now is utility and industrial market um, overseeing the northern uh, North America. Okay, so you have the whole continent or. All for, no, for all, of the, America, all, all of U.S. for utility. Yes. Yep. Okay.
0: So, so you're obviously very interested in the technical side and mm-hmm. and you know how all of it comes together and what makes it better. Uh, you know, for me, I was a fiber splicer, uh, and so it helped me, you know, in that sales and mm-hmm. understanding what the customers going through and be able to help them. Right. How does your background in the batteries help you now uh, in
1: the sales role? So. When I learned about batteries and uh, and how they're made and what goes into manufacturing um, all that, and as on the engineering side, uh, you know, you get sales guys coming in and trying to pitch you on different equipment and and different uh, material and so on. What I hated was when they get like talk all technical and and nothing. They can't relate to how they're going to be used, but they just know what the chemical formulas are and, okay, and all that. Yeah. So. When I got into uh, into sales and and product management role, I remember that, and I try to make it as easy easy to understand as possible. Um, uh, break it down into layman's terms, and uh, and I try not to use real technical uh, jargons and yeah. um, and so on. So I I think that's. Helping uh, people understand better, um, they don't get overwhelmed uh, when when I do battery seminars and so on. Yeah. So although I'm doing, I have responsibilities for sales role. I also do uh, seminars for for uh, for Enersys, and uh, and I use that background and uh, remembering what I need to talk about yeah. uh, into uh, into what I do now. So and
0: I think I've sat through a couple of your presentations over the years. I'm sure so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you know so dealing with customers then too i mean obviously if you you sit and talk chemistry to me you're gonna you're gonna lose lose me i can talk chemistry if you, you do. want. <laughs> no let's not get into that but same same philosophy then with the customers right uh you know keep it simple keep it interesting or basic
1: right and, and and you know telling from my personal experience, uh, things that have happened and what I went through, and and kind of weave that into battery talk, and uh, and that way people can understand things a lot easier. And
0: from you know, from my side of the house, being you know in this, in the sales role, and you know for the multiple manufacturers that we work with, mm-hmm. um, you know we're taking you know what the factories are telling us. The manufacturers saying right. this product will do this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we kind of have to sort through, does it, does it really? right um, You know, one of, the, one of the, I think, success stories with Enersys is obviously their SBS battery, the, the pure lead technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a good lesson in that. I had a customer call me. Um, it was a telephone co-op that had bought some, it was an SBS 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd bought, what would it have been? 16, 16 batteries, so there'd be four that go in you know in each remote cabinet, right And the manager at the time installed the batteries, replaced the batteries in two cabinets, mm-hmm. and then didn't get to the other two. Something happened. he left
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, It was 26 months later, the new manager of this company called me and says, "Hey, uh, I've got these batteries on the shelf, uh, so there was eight of them." Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says one of them, one of them's no good." the voltage is low. Okay. It has been 26 months those batteries had sat there on the shelf, and right. seven out of eight were still good. And, you know, we promote that those batteries will last two years without being charged, mm-hmm. and I think that's a real testament to that product itself.
1: Right, and, and not, not only in storage. Uh, those batteries have pro- proven itself in real service life, uh, where these batteries with uh, these pure lead, we call them TPPL, thin-plate pure lead. Uh, these batteries they go into uncontrolled temperature outdoor cabinets yep. and uh, out in Arizona middle of Arizona heat and uh, they're lasting 8 9 years plus and uh, and that's it really shows that how robust they are and uh, and these thin plate pure lead batteries uh, are has no inclusions in it no impurities in it and that, that the purity of the grid itself and it has to be the grid that has to be uh, the pure lead, not oxide and, and things like that. So that's what what's uh, really keeping those batteries um, lasting as long as they have in actual service life, not yeah. just in the lab environment.
0: And that's the same technology then that's in the Odyssey line.
1: That is also in Odyssey line. There are several um, several variations of it, kind of how um, it's packed together. But right,
0: that's what I that's what I run in my boat. I've got three of the. I think it's a PC twenty one hundred or mm-hmm. whatever size battery that is, but uh, yeah, I've got three of those in, in my bass boat, and I mean, I never have any issues
1: with them whatsoever. So that's what you do instead of selling, selling
0: fishing. Some sometimes, uh, you know, people think that I fish more than I do, but it's really not. <coughs> it's really not as much as you think. Yeah. Really quick, let me tell you a little bit about CBM. We're a manufacturer's rep firm right here in the Midwest. Uh, What that means is we are a contracted sales organization that works for multiple different manufacturers. Uh, So we can be a resource for you on many different facets. Uh, We were established in 1960 and now are an ESOP company. So we are employee-owned. And what that means is we have a different mindset here. Uh, The tagline around the office is, act like an owner. Uh, so our employees, uh, they think differently, think as owners, and we operate that way. And we are inspired by that leadership. Uh, if we can be a resource for you, uh, please reach out to us at cbmrep.com. Let's go a little deeper. Let's talk a little bit more industry-wide, technology-wide. You know, what do you see coming Uh you know, to the utility market. We hear a lot about electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard this term uh, DERs or distributed energy. Uh, how does all that work? And what does that really mean for our utility okay. uh, networks out there?
1: For the utility, uh, traditionally it's been very uh conservative market, meaning they don't like to embrace new technology as much. So <laughs> so they uh, the utility market as a whole still uses predominantly flooded products, um, or the official term is VLA, because IEEE loves acronyms, and yeah. VLA stands for Vented Lead Acid. And uh, so VLA is used. Uh, when I first started, it was 85%. VLA and very small amounts, NICAD, and then small amounts valve-regulated. We are slowly seeing that change with the changing of the guards, younger engineers coming in and and embracing some of the valve-regulated technologies and so on. So right now it's about still 75% uh, VLA flooded, and uh, the rest of it is NICAD and valve-regulated. But we are seeing a lot of this TPPL, uh, pure lead batteries being used in the utility industry and so on. Uh, so that's something that we're seeing very slowly, and uh, and it's it's being embraced because they see that the batteries are lasting uh, longer than what they, the original versions of our regulated batteries are. So go back a little when Gaston Plante made the uh, first rechargeable lead acid batteries, flooded. All the way through, like, 1970s, in the standby industry, it was flooded. And that's when valve-regulated batteries were introduced. The initial versions just didn't good. have the reliability. They didn't last. So a lot of people got um, sour taste in their mouth. And um, the advantages of valve-regulated is you can save a ton of space. Yeah. And now you can put a lot of energy into a small space so you got higher energy density. Uh, but... The longevity was the issue, but with the advances in valve-regulated in, uh, technology, especially with uh, thin-plate pure lead, which has proven itself uh, in the past, as well as the two-thirds of U.S. Uh, um, uh, submarine fleet, U.S. Navy submarine fleet, uses thin-plate pure lead valve-regulated batteries. And if they were not reliable, they wouldn't be trusting it and putting it in the sub. Um, so, uh, I think I got an
0: opportunity to see one of those batteries actually yep. on my last plant visit. That was pretty cool.
1: Yep, and uh, and and not only in in that I mean, they're used in F-16 fighter jets, um, one of the most you know reliable fighting uh, fighting uh, vehicles out up in the sky, and uh, as well as uh, um, like uh, Abrams tanks and so on. So it's really proven itself in rigorous environment and uh, and putting it in a. Substation building, and you know, you're not doing all pulling all kinds of G's or all altitudes or uh, all those bumpy roads. The batteries are, are gonna, going to last.
0: So, do you think? Uh, um, back to the utility world, you know, just we talk power. You, you know, you you read different things, you hear different things talking about you know electric vehicles. Will the will the grid handle? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. What, what we're trying to accomplish with elect- electric vehicles, will, you know, will the battery manufacturers be able to keep up with that load? Right. Uh, is it the same kind of battery? Uh, you know, what does all that
1: look like? So the battery for EV, um, they're just lithium ion because of the weight and, uh, and, and the power density that they, these batteries have. Uh, it wouldn't make any sense to put lead-acid batteries in EVs. They're, too uh, they're way too heavy. And, uh, and also, it doesn't charge as fast as, uh, as lithium-ion batteries do. Um, and lithium-ion batteries, they love to cycle, discharge, recharge every day, um, multiple times a day. Lead-acid batteries, they love to be on float. which is like
0: sit there and relax.
1: It's just, yeah, they're, they're fully charged and just waiting for something to happen, lose power or load to exceed the charger's output, then the batteries kick in. Um, so with that, the the, the lead-acid batteries are, to me, it's not going to go away uh, from the industry, but lithium-ion batteries are making its way into data centers and so on. Um, it remains to be seen uh, with the uh, supply of lithium batteries being, being low right now, uh, although more and more companies are coming on. Um, how do... Divide that to EV market, energy storage market, as well as standby market. That remains to be seen.
0: So it's a, more of a limited resource that they're trying to it's the, figure the right, out where the best place for it is?
1: Yeah, right now it's uh, it's the uh, – you have a lot of battery, lithium-ion battery manufacturers out there. Um, but if the EV market, if the government starts to mandate, that's going to take up the bulk go. of it. Energy storage, if they – take a lot of it then uh, then then that's going to basically exhaust that supply so what's left for standby market that remains to be seen
0: okay so the technology in the lithium that's come a long ways correct i know years ago when it first came out uh, you know we back to the fishing you know we were starting to see more and more you know lithium batteries in 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 the bass boats um, but you know used to have the fear of you know they catch mm-hmm. on fire and burn your house down, or yeah. do all these different things. Is that somewhat died down? Is it the technology safer now?
1: Yeah. So, like lead acid, not all lithium ion batteries are the same. Okay. There are 16 different chemistries of lithium ion batteries out there. Now, each chemistry has pluses and minuses. Some are really safe, but not so good in power factor. Some okay. have great power factor. Energy density, but not so safe, so it's a trade off between weighing all that and there are, and if you go uh, look at the uh, website or you know industry there are these spider charts and and life longevity safety and all that not everyone hits all all six corners gotcha. um, so the the brains behind lead acid uh, battery is what goes into the, into the batteries and the ingredient, how they're manufactured. Brains going into behind the lithium-ion batteries is the BMS, the controller. battery management system. You have to have a really good and robust BMS for it to keep it in that happy medium, happy zone. Um, overcharging, over-discharging, batteries don't like it. Lithium-ion batteries become unstable. And that's why you see okay. some stories about cars catching fire, and so on. Um, it is getting better, but compared to other battery technologies, lithium-ion is still in its infancy. A lot of industry uh, documentations and, and, and so on, like IEEE documents, they're still being developed. And, uh, and it's going to take several more years for, for that to come. As well as Recycling. Recycling of lithium-ion batteries, the recycling stream, really hasn't been very well established. We don't have the infrastructure there yet. Not yet. And uh, with lead acid, the latest uh, BCI study, Battery Council International study, shows lead acid batteries are the number one recycled consumer product in in the U.S., with 99% of it being recycled. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Compare that to aluminum cans. It's only about 50%. Yeah. Plastic bottles that we're drinking uh, waters out of. Yeah, <laughs> the, these are only uh, about twenty nine percent right now, and 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 then lithium ion is now less than fifteen percent are recycled. So lead acid batteries, although most people say, "Oh, lead, it's got lead in it," you know, we're going to get environmental damage and all that. But it's in a sense, it, it is a uh, truly a green battery.
0: Yeah, much more safe. Mm-hmm. What what's an assumption that people make about you and your role that you would disagree with?
1: When I got into sales or the sales title, um, most people thought I went fishing. Oh, wait, maybe that's. Um,
0: <laughs> well, I played golf yesterday, this worst <laughs> round I've had in 30 years, but okay. uh, it, it was still. So, it's so a lot of work. It's it hard is hard to be. It is, it is.
1: It is hard work. Um, and there is always. You know what have you done for me lately? Uh, factor uh, yeah, with numbers enough. every yep. every month there is a different report coming out and so on. We have weekly meetings on numbers, um, so it's not all fun and games. Um, there is a lot of financial uh, aspect of it that I have to I uh, have to yeah. figure out and learn because I'm I'm an engineer. I'm not a financial guy, yeah. and so I had to learn all that. Um, there's a lot with forecasting and demand planning, um, so it's more than just fishing and playing golf with customers <laughs> and going to dinner.
0: That that's true. Uh, you know we, you know we joke a little bit, but you know part of that is building a relationship with the customer, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't have to go fishing or golfing to do that. But uh, you know a lot of people have the misinterpretation that you know sales guys that's all they do is go out and have fun or you know you're on the road i'm sure mm-hmm. you travel a bunch with your job uh you know i i deal with that at home myself it's like you know you call home and it's just oh you must it's another party right it's at a party every day in your world while you're you know while your spouse is back home taking care of the kids or whatever and so that's you know that's some of the challenges that we face
1: yeah and so when i go home my wife says now that we're empty nesters um she's like well let's go out to dinner i'm like
0: Oh, not I've, been, I've been eating it yeah. all
1: week. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's why I, I learned to cook at home. I, I, I cook and then she just sits back and enjoys the meal. Yeah. Um, so I use her as a guinea pig on different ingredients <laughs> that I put in there and so on. So, um, so it, it's a lot more involved than just entertaining customers or, yeah. um, or trying to sell stuff. Uh, the relationship building is, is a big part of it. And uh, and I I try to do that with seminars and so on and uh, and every day almost uh, people send me emails and say hey, can you take a look at this picture this data and yeah. uh, and I, I review all that.
0: So well, and two things really comes down to you know uh, training, mm-hmm. uh, making sure uh, that we people understand what they're doing. A for a safety aspect, obviously with with power. Uh, you know, I mean. Bad things can go wrong in just the blink oh, yeah. of an eye. Yeah. We yep. both know that, but uh, but then also taking care of the customer, yep. uh, you know, and that's really to me what builds relationships long term is you know doing the right thing for the customer. Uh, you know, if they've got a battery that failed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you know, Enersys you, always does the right thing. They right. they take care of the situation, and and I think that's outstanding.
1: Yep. And I just this week I, I was doing a seminar on. Um, Factors that make the batteries last longer and perform better and uh, and and so teaching something like that is to me is uh, rewarding because uh, people say, "Oh, okay, I didn't know I could do that to make them last longer and so on. so yeah, you yeah. stop the problem before it actually exists. get in front yeah, of it Exactly. Yep. It's, a, it's a preventive uh, it's, there are a lot of failures that are prevent uh, uh, can be prevented and uh, and and teaching that is uh, is important.
0: What would you say is one of your best qualities as a leader? Do uh, you have any advice for a younger guy like me in the industry, uh, you know, in, in a leadership role?
1: Yeah, so as, as a leader, um, the best quality should be being able to listen and uh, and hear. Whether you think it's a good idea or, or not, you have to be able to uh, absorb all that and process and, uh, and try to... Um, be as collaborative as possible, uh, getting all that information in. Uh, there is. I hate it working for somebody where you go in and and say, "Hey, this. What do you think about this?" As oh, that's a stupid idea. Or oh, no, I'm, we're not going don't give that. it a chance. Right, and uh, but you have to you have to give that chance. You have to listen to everybody. You have to treat everybody the same. Um, now, do you and,
0: think? Do you think that's? True. Is it good to treat everybody the same, or do you need to treat everybody as individuals? Because that's something I kind of wrestle with. I think there's some, uh, I think there's some valid Mm -hmm. points on either
1: side of that. But so by treating everybody individually uh, or as individuals, that to me is treating everybody the same. We're talking about the same thing. Okay, Um, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying you know, hey, I'm gonna you are this person so i'm going to treat you this way you're that person i'm going to treat you that way no you have to listen to everybody and try to get all give that. everybody the same respect exactly that's what i meant by that and, and my dad you know he's always told me don't treat somebody like you don't want to be treated yeah the golden rule right right and uh, and and a lot of times as as people move up uh, or as they uh, get up on mm-hmm. uh, up in the organization they kind of lose that and, uh, and you try to be like, you know, this is the way it's going to be done. Sometimes, like I learned that when I was in manufacturing engineering. We we're putting together this processing line, a production line, and, uh, and somebody who's just started say, well, how about if we do it this way or why don't you put that gadget on this side so yeah. it will be easier? Well, you know what? Made perfect sense. Yeah. And uh and by doing that even the old timers like this is great. And so I I learned from that and even in my role right now I treat everybody the the way I want to be treated. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's great. I I totally agree. So we we touched a little bit on the DERs uh you know earlier in the conversation. Let's get a little bit deeper on that and kind of explain what those are.
1: Okay. So with with um Solar panels at homes, um, uh, the battery banks at home, and uh, and all all these, basically, the other side of the meter type uh, energy generation. Sure, uh, that's that's what those uh, that the ER is, and uh, and with that, the a lot of utility companies are looking into that right now, and uh, and and how do you harness that because it's a lot easier to get electricity from residential um uh, side of it than building a new power plant so yeah in the neighborhood where I'm at uh the power company is
0: you know going out and put solar mm-hmm. solar grids on roofs of of houses yeah um you know I think every company has maybe a little different plan of how they right. do that uh <clears throat> they weren't really able to sell me on the benefits of it for my own house, but you know i just rough guess. I'll bet ten percent of the houses in the neighborhood at least already you know have a solar panel on the roof, and so that's right. that's where this dist- or this DER mm-hmm. is coming from. That's
1: right, and that's the <coughs> that's the bulk of it. EVs are another bulk of it at night when you're not driving and, yeah. and you're fully charged. So that that energy is now uh, being uh, being used to be- basically sold back to the utility companies. Um, so. Uh, There's a bunch of studies being done. One of the first ones were Portland General Electric in Oregon. Uh, They actually have like 520 some odd homes uh, with uh, lithium ion batteries, uh, basically energy storage. And uh, and they're trying to get that energy into their grid. And with that comes the transformation of the grid system as well. With all these coming on, can your existing substations and uh, infrastructure handle it? Um, so we're actually doing some uh, studies and, and, and electric companies have come to, uh, utility companies have come to us and say, hey, we need to put extra what used to be 200 amp hour substation. Now we may need it 300 amp hours. And sure. what what can we do without making the batteries uh, uh, bigger or the substation building bigger? So,
0: so now space is...
1: That's where the Important. the pure lead valve regulated batteries come in, uh, because you can have 320 amp hour uh, product in there, uh, and it only weighs like 44 pounds, and uh, and that's a huge benefit mm-hmm. of of the, that type of battery. Yeah. So that transformation uh, because of DER is is coming to us right now.
0: What are you seeing with the utilities? Uh, you know, on the on the broadband scene, you know, a lot of Utilities are getting into that market as well. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, you know, utility companies have kind of just had their own communication networks, but mm-hmm. now they're doing this fiber to the home. Are are you involved in much of that in terms of the battery backup for for those systems?
1: I am involved from the periphery of it. We have a, a, a different division that that handles that, uh, but the typical utility communication we call them UCOM, let's say, and uh, and and that's handled by separate group than, say, substation uh, group or generation group. Okay, so it's group. kind of broken out. Right. Uh, but, yeah, we, we do get involved with that, and, uh, and we have a product. Uh, and there you don't have a lot of space, so that's where well regulated batteries are very commonly used.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, we see a lot of the SBS product in the, mm-hmm. in the telco sites where we're in. So, yep. absolutely. Uh, well, John, we appreciate you coming in today. Okay. Thank you for being on Power the Network with us. I thank Uh, you.
1: This was fun.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Well, there you have it. Uh, I feel like we caught some lightning in a bottle today with our conversation with John Kim. Uh, Always enjoy talking to him, and I appreciate him coming on the show and uh, giving us an opportunity to get to know each other a little bit better. You know, I think the story of batteries really matters, uh, and we're really glad to have an expert on our side like John Uh, If you've got other questions about battery storage, battery charging, uh, you can always find some answers on Enersys.com, or you can reach out to us at CBM, uh, cbmrep.com. Or if you're a manufacturer looking for representation uh, in the industry in the Midwest, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, Or if you just got any other questions, or maybe you've got a great story to tell and you want to be on the next episode of Power the Network, uh, reach out to us cbmrup.com. Thanks.